Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? How's your day? My day was not too bad. I'm a little bit a little bit tired. That's my pit for today is I have just not been sleeping well. I I never sleep well when I work on like projects after the kids go to bed, but this is like <laughs> the only logical time that I have to work on projects. Right. Um so I need I need to find a way to like reset my sleep cycle because I've been staying up until like midnight and that's not great for yeah. me. I take my sleeping medication and I go to bed immediately after taping. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that does sound – I try not to like um, use um, – what is it? starts with an M. Our bodies like naturally make it mela- – Melatonin. Melatonin. There we go. I was like, it's not melanin. <laughs> What is the word I'm looking for? Melatonin. I try not to use that um, because I know it can like upset like your body's natural balance. But like I took some before we started recording because it takes like an hour or so to like really kick in. Um, So like some days, sometimes when I, if I'm going on like several days of not good sleep, I like just force a little reset. Um, Yeah. So that's my pit for today and my peach, um, again, because I feel like I'm just cruising in some kind of low energy a little bit. Um, I found these like delightful um, canned mocktails and mm-hmm. um, now that I'm on a health journey and trying to like be more aware of like, not that I drink a ton before, but especially right. like coming up to summer. I was, I'm like more prone to be like, oh, I'm just going to like grab a beer or yeah. a like spiked something and just like sip on it or, you know, mm-hmm. um, like nurse a bottle of wine over a week or something. Right. Um, so I was just like looking for some fun alternatives and it was like very delightful. It was, they, it's like this eight pack for like 25 bucks. And the one I had mm-hmm. was like a watermelon mojito. And I don't know if the adaptogens actually like, mellowed me out or not <laughs> but it tasted good and it like that's good as long you as know it tastes good really it it took I guess like it did what I wanted it to which was like not to be like oh let's just add a little vodka to this <laughs> right right <laughs> fun fact I hate watermelon flavored everything really yes I think it tastes like mowed grass that is very bizarre. It is one of like my favorite artificial flavors. It's yeah, more plastic no. flavor. It tastes like somebody fed me a freshly mowed lawn and sprinkled sugar on it. Noted. I will never. Never offer me watermelon. Never offer you watermelon. But do you eat real watermelon? Like oh, the- I love real watermelon. Okay. Just not. Yeah. That's fair. I don't like artificial strawberry. I, that's how I feel yeah. about artificial strawberry flavoring. I'm like, why the fuck? This doesn't yeah. even taste like a strawberry. Exactly. So, so peaches and pits. Peaches and pits. I had a very, very rough day, and I could stand on a soapbox forever. However, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. And I, my pit is our ever failing healthcare system and how families and mothers specifically are fall through the cracks and it makes Mm -hmm. me fiery angry. And today was one of those days. And so I'm just feeling, feeling defeated. 
I'm feeling like my hands are tied. And for somebody who loves the nonprofit work I do, it's, Mm -hmm. it's like a visceral reaction Mm -hmm. to choosing to fund pockets over basic human needs. It's very, very frustrating. Yeah. So that is my soapbox that I will now step off of. <laughs> More on that later. Her email will be later. in the show notes and you can always just ask so. her <laughs> for her thoughts and opinions in more detail. Yes. So then we'll record, we'll record a bonus episode. And yeah. Is that allowable? Is that on, yeah. on brand? Does you know, your work sign off I, on that? I'm not sure that work. <laughs> yeah. Goal is to also keep the job. Yeah, I love my job. (laughs) So then my peaches kind of fits along with my pits because I work for a small nonprofit. So our leadership team is even smaller. Um, And so I, today, just like really like solidified, we have relatively new leadership So it like really solidified that we do have the right people at the table and we do, we do have the same values and moral compass and all of these things related to our mission. And so it was, it was really validating for all of us in leadership while it was commiseration to have this mutual support of the commiseration and then making sure that we were all all on the same team when we now go out to the rest of the organization to support and help them navigate how this affects their day-to-day routine. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my peaches is that I have fantastic coworkers. Well, I'm glad that there's a little bit of a silver lining, but I wish you could like, you know, maybe come to to that peach through like a a less – pity way. I know, right? No. Onwards. 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 Onwards for today. I I believe you guys will work it out and hopefully hopefully the wrong is righted. Yes, absolutely. So Spitfire shenanigans. I'll take this one. Um in December I've got quite a few from the month of December because we had Caroline so much. <laughs> um, so one of my favorites. For contacts, so. I had major spine surgery <laughs> in December. And so I'm very lucky to have such wonderful friends who and children who have such wonderful friends <laughs> who can take care of my children while I lay up in bed recovering from spine surgery. Yes. So it was, um, it was Dan's night and we were, uh, we picked up Caroline and we're headed to dance and Nora has had this song, has had this song that just like kind of runs on repeat. And I think what it is, I think it's like a sample of an older song. I don't know. I've got a very far down on my list of things to investigate in life, but I, I'm fairly certain in some way it's like a sample from like an older song. Um, how old, what decade I do not know. Yes. Um, 
that has been sampled into like something that was on the radio potentially. Otherwise, I have no idea like where this song comes from. Anyway, it goes like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, it's a TikTok thing. Okay. I assumed it was. Yeah, Yeah. No, it's a TikTok sound. Oh, okay. Well, that shows you how out of touch with the youths I am because (laughs) (laughs) all of us millennials. I, um, I only I, know that because my girls are older than your girls. <laughs> right. Okay. Fair. Fair. Uh, yes. It's like when Hudson had to educate me about what the gritty was. And oh, yeah. I got that lesson like last week. Yes. So anyway, just an out of touch millennial here, I guess. Um, but anyway, so that like song, I am still fairly certain that it's in like an actual song. Maybe it I'm could just saying be. that to make myself feel better. Um, but anyway, so that's like a thing that like they would um, like constantly be like playing on the Alexa. And so like Caroline gets in the car and they start like singing this song. And at first it's just them like singing it together. And then it changes into like this for the 15-minute drive to dance class changes into basically like an improv character um, (laughs) two-act play of direction to each other and then like vocal coaching. (laughs) And so so like – so whichever one started it goes – okay, now let's do it like we are cats. And so then it's like, oh, meow, oh, meow, oh, oh, meow, meow, meow. And then like, I think it was um, Caroline goes, okay. So then they start like coaching each other and directing each other. And Caroline's like, okay, now do it like you are so mad. And Nora's like, oh, no, oh, no. Like it is. And Caroline at one point like stops her and goes, I think it would be more like, and then like, oh my gosh. And you know, and then they like coach each other back and forth and they're like, no, no, like, like follow me, you know? And they like would do their little like vocal inflections. And then like the other one would try to copycat and they'd be like, no, it's more like, uh, uh, you know, like, (laughs) it cracked me up because just like listening to them coach each other and then like this wide range of like random emotions that they assign to it. There, it's two coaches. There's no players involved There's in this no. scenario, which is like the problem. <laughs> right. Yes. And again, once again, how does it all fit into one friendship? Like I zero. I have zero ideas. Um, I mean, I will say I'll give them credit. I feel like they did both take some direction well. That's good. I think they must just take enough from each other that, like, right. that's what that validates. It. Yeah, <laughs> that they're like, okay, I'm not totally gonna hate her because, like, she did follow my direction one time. One time. <laughs> that's all you need is one time. That's true. <laughs> true so, in many scenarios. And in life. so many, so many. <laughs> So that was the little, that was, that's my Spitfire story. They were just, it was too funny, like listening to them vocally coach each other through what I now know is a TikTok sound. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 
Okay. So partner praise. What's yours today? So Jesse is less patient than I am. Like that is just a fact. Um, And it's something that like he verbalized to me that he would like to work on. Um, And like in the day-to-day small things, especially this morning when Caroline was really, really pressing the buttons, um, Mm -hmm. getting ready for school, um, I could see like the intense effort Jesse was putting in to To maintain totally losing it to to totally just not like losing his, because she was being completely ridiculous and irrational. And yesterday all of her underwear fit her today, (laughs) which is a problem because I know she has to be totally dressed to get her gummy bear before she comes downstairs. So, um, (laughs) that's a problem if your base layer doesn't fit. Yeah. yeah. The first reason was because um, she's six now. Her birthday was in November. Right. Been that way for a little while. So that doesn't check. And so then it was, well, these ones feel funny on my butthole. And I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) I'm wearing a thong. It doesn't like touch your butthole. (laughs) And so then she had to like reframe it. Follow up question. How is it getting to your butthole? Yeah. And so then she was like, well, no, it like, it feels funny on my vagina. I'm like, okay, that's a fair assumption. Okay. So with three girls in the house, you can imagine how many pairs of little underwear I have and brands and cuts and varieties and colors. (laughs) I literally offered her like 15. And by that point, like it was, I need to get ready for work because I have a big day ahead of me. And so I tapped Jesse in. I was like, this, I need you (laughs) And <laughs> FYI, we're still on underwear, so. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I could see him, like, like, really, like, it was almost like, like, his, like, breath in, like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm a big boy. She is not my boss. But, like, that's literally what you have to do as a parent sometimes is, like, you have right. to be the calm against the most irrational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Problem. 100%. In the world. But yeah, so I, I love that he like continues to work on that. And like, it's very clear that it was a goal he set for himself and he has continuously worked to improve it. Yeah. So I'm proud of him. It's hard. I'm it's proud of so that too. Because most of the time I just want to check her through a window. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The next, I've got the next bit Spitfire story too. <laughs> Perfect. All right. What's, what's Eric done good lately? Um, so Hudson, um, at his parent teacher conferences a few weeks ago, the feedback was like, Hey, he knows his multiplication, but he doesn't know it at like, it's not, um, you know, like second nature. He has to like pause. And so basically like, as they're moving into like more complex math problems, you know, making sure that he can like rattle off the, his multiplication, specifically sevens, eights, and nines. I was going to say it's the seven eights, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like she was like, it would really help him. She was like, it would just make it faster for him, which would reduce some frustration that he's been having. So we got flashcards, um, in the mail this week and, um, 
Eric and Hudson were working on them at dinner time the other night. And it was just like such, it was such a good moment. Like, um, you know, he taught Hudson this trick. I didn't even know about like how to get your answer for the nines. Yeah. The finger trick. No, it wasn't the finger trick. It wasn't? It was, I mean, maybe, I don't know. But basically like whatever you're multiplying by nine, you take one away. So like nine times eight. So one less than eight is seven. And then to get to nine, it's the second number is two. Nine times eight is 72. Eight minus one is seven. Seven plus two is nine. So your answer is 72. Well, color me. Fucking Press. shocked, right? You were, I right. was like, I was no. Like, well, I could have done that shit. Like, why didn't any- I feel like my nines are better because of this. <laughs> right, right. So, anyway, I mean, like, they were very, like, he was very patient and he had all these, like, really great, like, tips and tricks. And I felt like Hudson left the entire interaction, like, the night before. He had, like, lost his shit over it. And then, like, it was just such a 180. And Eric did such a good job, like, walking him through that. And I think even just, like, mastering just the nines, it was yeah. like, holy cow, dude, you're, like, a third of the way done with, like, what you needed to work on. So it was just a really nice um, moment for him to use. He's, like, a – he is an instructor – in his day job and he was studying to be a teacher before he took this. So like he has sort of that natural ability to teach and it was just nice to like see them work together. Time through. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So today. So what are we digging into? We're digging into learned helplessness, the dad privilege and maternal gatekeeping. So learned privilege or learned helplessness is like one of my favorite terms. I use it in literally all facets of my life. (laughs) I mean, because it's pretty accurate. Like our kids do it. Everybody around, like, yes. Yes. It it is the, like, the salt to my wound. Yes. I absolutely cannot stand it. Yes. So learned helplessness is this idea, basically, that you learn to be helpless. Like you, just like we learn certain behaviors that are positively impactful to those around us. Similarly, we can learn behaviors that are less positively impactful and basically turn us into, um, my, the best example I can think of is like, when Nora was maybe like four years old or something, like clearly old enough to walk up and down the stairs by herself, mm-hmm. she stopped and would sit at the top of the stairs and scream. And like inevitably, because usually when we are going down the stairs, we are trying to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so then like somebody would come back and grab her. Well, over time, she l- learned to be she helpless learned. Yeah. and would just sit there because she knew somebody would come and get her. And she's like, well, I don't have to like fucking try anymore. I'm just going gonna- to- Exactly. I, you know, I'm not going to dress myself because if I lay here long enough, then someone, someone will, will come in me. and will dress me. Yeah. And as adults, we learn behaviors like that too. And so, so that learned helplessness kind of leads into this idea of the dad privilege, which is basically like according to the internet, <laughs> when, <laughs> and everything on the internet is true. Yeah. Um, 
it's when dads are treated like heroes and they get praised for doing the same shit that we do. Like, oh my gosh, you took your kids to the park? That's so sweet. Or like, oh, you picked them up today? That's awesome. It's like, yeah, I do that every fucking day. Um, But you would never like say that I'm such a good mom because I took my kids to the playground kind of a thing. I also sort of define this as – so this is like my own personal add-on to this about – I kind of think of dad privilege also in terms of, and probably more so because I don't think anybody's ever complimented Eric on something like that, which maybe that makes us an anomaly. Um, Well, and so maybe, yeah, I don't know actually, because Jesse actually gets it a lot. And I wonder sometimes if it's because our oldest three are girls or the fact that we have versus the two and a half, three that we're supposed to have right. and that our right. world is made for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That it, Yeah. But I bet it is like Jesse being a dad of girls. Yeah. I could see that. I could see that. I think because I've got a mixed group when I go right. out. Right. Um, and also, I guess maybe like I, I'm obviously not there. Like it's it hasn't ever been impactful enough that like Eric would be like, oh my gosh, he's never come home to be like, you would never guess what somebody said to me. Um, so I also kind of think of dad privilege in the context of their ability to just do things in their lives without considering like the bigger family picture or schedule. And it kind of, it looks like, coming home from work and, you know, like taking your shoes off and just throwing them by the shoe rack and going up and like sitting in your room and scrolling through your phone for like 20 or 30 minutes while you decompress from your day, from your day. Meanwhile, like, you know, I've left work and went straight to pick up kids and came home and started making dinner right away and have like not stopped moving. Yeah. Um, you know, or like, sleeping in when um, you get like a poor night's rest as if like on the flip side of the coin, moms never get a shitty night's sleep. Like, right. you know, I I hear this from my friends a lot. Like, oh, I could never just like turn my alarm clock off and be like, I didn't get a good night's sleep. So his alarm will go off and I will just lay in bed without communicating that I didn't yeah. get a good night's sleep and stay there un disturbed and like, you know, get an extra hour of sleep or something. So that's kind of like when I think of the idea of dad privilege, it's sort of like this ability to walk through the world in sort of like, um, in a way that's like agnostic to the family unit. And then they get like praised for doing. For being in the family unit. For being in the family unit where you're like, Wait a minute. Yeah. I mean, what about me? So basically, like, the bar for dads is set really low. It's like, don't suck. And right. it's really high on the mom side of things. Like, Absolutely. you know, if you don't have an Instagrammable house and children, then basically, like, you're a failure. And yep. we're not even sure why you left the hospital with kids. Um, yeah. No, there was one week specifically – it was um, when Warren was much younger, like an in-arms type infant. Um, and it was the same week Jesse and I made separate trips with all four children. Mm. Um, and the beginning of the week, 
he got like two compliments and this one target trip saying like, like, oh my gosh, like the crew or some, something to the effect of like, look at you being all dad. And Mm -hmm. later on that week I took four and I had one comment of, boy, you sure have your hands full. You know what causes that? And I'm just like, like, are you, are are you you asking about my sex life? (laughs) What? Yeah. Yeah. And with four kids, we get comments all the time. Like, you know, what causes that? Do you guys own a television? And I'm like, it's literally one more than you. Why would I would, I literally like never, I would never think to say that to someone. Yeah. yeah, Like in that one week we were in literally the exact same situation. Yeah. And I mean, it's uncanny that it happened in a week. So close. Like that's unusual. But it just, like, it, like, was such a real-life moment of, like, well, shit, I did the exact same thing. And I'm basically told I look overwhelmed. Right. And you are like, oh, my God, you're so great. Love you. (laughs) No offense. I want to punch you in the face on behalf of. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Um. Yeah, so dad privilege occurs both externally and internally. internally, I think is what what you're trying to say. Yes, a hundred percent. And I think I don't know. I don't think we experience it as much externally as we do internally. And maybe it is because, like, we we only have one less child than you guys, right? But but we we are the big family now. Right, right. Because now we don't fit into all cars as a family. Right. Flying across the country is absorbently expensive. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like for whatever reason, like four kids is way more than three. Right. (laughs) Which, I mean. Three kids is not that much more than two. Yeah, it, it um, it is not like this. Yeah. exponential game like hockey stick chart of overwhelm yeah once you get I mean once you start adding on kids it's I mean it's a little bit more incremental I guess it's kind of what I'm saying yeah. um yeah so I I think that is super interesting because I like I'm thinking back to my own experiences and I feel like I don't I mean I I have never, ever gotten a comment about, like, implying that I have, like, too many kids or, like, (laughs) that my sex life is too active because of the number of kids. I think that is, like, the most bizarre thing I have ever – I don't know. Where are those people's filters? Um, They like that. I do. Yes. They're gone. They're gone. I mean, I think I've gotten probably, like, mixed. Um, like a little bit of like, oh my gosh, you like have your hands full. Um, mm-hmm. but generally my kids seem to like charm the pants off of lots of people. And so it's like, they can be little hellions, but then they like angel pose at like strangers walking by and they're like, oh my God, they're so cute. Um, and I think Willa kind of, <laughs> yeah, no, Willa is- you know, bringing up the caboose there, she's yeah. still like, you know, she's in this like super cute phase. And yes. so I feel like people kind of overlook 
anything else. The chaos. And they go, oh my God, she's so look at, cute. Look at that little girl. Um, but Lauren's old and older, like only by six months. Only by six he's, months. Um, but he's gone from like the cute little toddler phase into yes. the high badger phase. Yeah. <laughs> he has, he has transitioned. So, yes. If it makes you feel any better, Will is like right behind. And her her default of transition attitude and behavior is Nora's. Oh, perfect. I, I love that for you. <laughs> yeah. It should be fun. But she still sort of has Hudson's disposition. So it's kind of this funny, like, um, like she huffs and she puffs, but it doesn't like fit her personality. So it just is sort of this like comically out of place. <laughs> um, feeling out. But this idea of the dad privilege is counterbalanced with, and I have gotten this feedback quite a bit in my relationship, and it's something that I know like I've had to work on. And the flip side of that coin is this idea of like maternal gatekeeping, which is essentially that like, and and this stems from societally if that's a word, what we believe about women, which is basically that whether or not the father is involved, how Mm -hmm. good or how um, bad the father is in the relationship, basically like the mother always knows best. Yes. Um, So whether they're in really healthy, um, share like mutually responsible relationships with their children or in a situation where maybe the mom is abusive or struggles with addiction or something that, you know, makes it difficult or makes her unable to like properly care for her child. Like we still as a society, like even in those instances, a dad would go to court and would fight for, right. Had a, would have a harder time fighting for rights to his child than the mother would. Um, and additionally, I mean, we are, we are raised to believe that our value, we are value validated through knowing that our way is the right way to raise our kids. Yes. And so like this programming that we go through as women, as we grow, feeds into this idea and, and cements it for us as well that like we know best. And so then the flip side of this coin is basically we behave in ways that you know, maybe we speak poorly about dads in front of our children or um, we decide whether or not we keep dads up to date on the details, uh, you know, the ins and outs of like school and appointments and things like that. Um, And, you know, ultimately then what this kind of creates is this idea or this like perception that our way is the right way to do things. And I think, you know, it starts really when babies are very little, right? Because dads are forced to go back to work very quickly most of the time. There's not a lot, you know, it's becoming a little bit more um, common to hear of companies who offer longer paternity leaves, but a lot still just sort of offer those two weeks. 
And so it kind of starts with like, we are in the trenches day to day. So we know like, this is that cry. This is what this cry means. And like, this is, you know, we know the ins and outs of the child's behavior. And so we make it difficult for dads to step in, you know, like we kind of helicopter and then we start to correct and micromanage and basically Mm -hmm. like, dads start to disconnect and step away because they're like, well, clearly you've got this. So like, what am I here for? Absolutely. You know, and this is something, I mean, I feel that critique like to my core, you know, being somebody who, and I've, I've mentioned this before, Eric and I are both, um, man, people manager, people. Like we don't necessarily have to manage other people, but we have no qualms about managing other people. And we do generally think our way is the right way. Yeah. Yeah. That is, if we're not arguing about things related to the mental load, it's generally, um, us, you know, having to remember that the other person might also have a way to get it done that could potentially be better or more effective or more efficient than ours. That's so funny because So Jess and I identified this early on because like in our relationship, he was raised in a household where like you own your way and your way is the right, like his dad is very like my way or the highway. Mm -hmm. And so then that was modeled for him. And so that's what he learned. And so there was this, there were these situations that would come up where like, the goal was the same and we both got there in a timely, efficient way, but I did mine differently. And so then he would provide me critique on my way. Mm -hmm. And it was like. (laughs) Infuriating because you're like, but I got there and it was fine. Right. And so that was something very early on in our relationship that we were like, that was low hanging fruit for us. Like it was, we were very, we were very quick to identify it. And then we both have been good about like making sure that that's in check before we do stuff. Yeah. Um, But something that I was thinking while um, reading through all of this episode was that because of the way that we're raised with societal pressures um, that we're, we're taught from a really young age that our worth and value comes from the home we keep and the kids we raise. Like, that's the women's work. That's that gendered role. And so essentially we feel like we have more at stake in the product mm, and the mm-hmm. product is our child. Yeah. 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 Since their value isn't as closely related to the child themselves and how the child mm, that's acts. That's a great point. And so like, I just kept thinking like, well, of course I'm more worried about, making the right choices for the family or the gravity of the choice mm-hmm. because um, my it's name a reflection is of you. Yeah. It's a reflection of me from yeah. a society standpoint when really it should be a reflection of the both of us because we're yeah. both parents. But yeah, that was something that I kept coming back to. It was like, well, that's not fair. <laughs> no, I think that's, I, that is a really great observation. Um, And I haven't, I think it really crystallizes kind of what I have felt as I've been reflecting on this topic and kind of thinking back on my own behavior and and things like that. It it 100% comes back to 
um, knowing that if somebody is going to judge, they're going to judge me and, you know, they're going to, it's, it's funny that you say that because now, um, I think about, um, as we are going through, so Hudson's on this baseball team and it's like a, a more competitive team than the Y teams he's been on in the past. And there's like a learning curve and there are new rules that we have not learned in baseball yet that like competitive teams play by and they, you know, like there's just a lot more mechanics and technicalities right. that go into it. And it's funny because like sometimes, and you know, Hudson, um, very much has Eric's personality and that he is like not afraid to say what is like on his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, so sometimes that looks like arguing with refs or, um, and not in like a, not in an aggressive way. way. Yeah. Um, just in a, in the way that a nine-year-old is like, bruh, like, why did you tell me that? You know, or like, oh, come on, that wasn't really, yeah, I think, yeah, that wasn't the right call, you know, um, or, you know, like Eric said at, at batting practice the other day, um, he, you know, had a couple of strikes thrown against him and the coach called him as strikes and he goes, I, I couldn't swing at that and got like frustrated, you know, and kind of like, it's more of like a negotiation. It's like, how yes. far can I negotiate you into like it less arguing and more of a negotiation anyway? Yeah. My point is that when I have like witnessed those moments, like at flag, when he did it at flag football the other day too, he like argued with the ref for a second about some call I couldn't even hear. And I was like mortified. I was like, yeah. oh my God, Hudson, stop. And really I wasn't even, I mean, I was thinking a little bit like, but you don't want that, like you don't want the ref to think that you're like a jerk the jerk kid that like, you know, so then he's, so then he calls everything against you. Right. Um, but I, I will say, I think if I'm being honest, I was more like, I don't want those parents to think that I raised that kid, exactly. <laughs> you know, that I raised exactly. the jerk kid. And like how, I mean, I mean, if Caroline goes out with her hair unbrushed, which like, let's be honest, like it's really difficult to brush Carolyn's hair. So if she does a half-assed job, like I'm going to let it slide a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. But when, the, when a stranger sees that, they're not going to think, oh, why didn't dad brush her hair? They're going to think, why right. didn't mom brush her hair? Yeah. Every time. Yeah. I think that when Nora um, wears mismatching outfits, so. Oh, I guess I about that. <laughs> that I mean, I like, don't, I don't anymore. Like I. I took um, a stance like very early on, even though it is like a giant internal struggle for me to not be like, let's reconfigure this to something right. that does not look like we shopped at the clown store today. Right. Um, like but, sparkles and glitter doesn't match glitter. <laughs> let's maybe throw a solid in there. It does not. Or more often than not, it's like, oh, those camo pants do not go with that tie-dyed sweatshirt that you've got. Uh Um, But I took this position early on 
with all of my kids where I was like, I don't want to make them feel self-conscious about what they choose to dress in. And if that makes them feel happy and confident and it creates a level of independence for me in the morning from having to pick out clothes and argue over which outfit they really want to wear, then like that is just a hill I am not going to die on. So you go for it. Now, as a six-year-old, a kindergartner, she like still goes to school sometimes in camo pants and a tie-dyed shirt or, you know, the most ridiculously like sweatpants with like her Easter dress over them. And and I'm like, well, I mean, it wouldn't be my choice. Doesn't really go together, but I like maintain. But my thought is always like, One, now that she's in school, it has flip-flopped. I do think like I hope nobody makes fun of you for that Mm -hmm. because I don't really see other kids going to school like that. I'm sure they are there. My kids are. Okay. Well, that's why ours are friends. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I also – on the flip side, I also think, well, anybody who sees her is probably going to be like, what was that mom thinking? Yeah. She not know how to teach her kids how to dress. Why right. didn't she course correct that? When yeah. really, I think I've got a solid rationale about why Absolutely. let it happen. Like, I'm but even if I didn't, even if I was like, I'm just fucking lazy and I don't care, that should be good enough. Yeah, but like, it's always like if there is something quote unquote wrong with the child and how they act, how they dress, yeah, all the things. Nobody's ever saying, "Where's dad." Right. Everybody's always saying. Where's mama? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that is, and I think that kind of sums up the dad privilege, right? Where you get a, again, like you get praised for being part of the family unit, but you get to sort of behave like agnostically. Nobody is going to, (laughs) no one's going to judge your kid's uncombed hair against you, it's going to be kind of on us. Mm -hmm. And then the flip side of it is this maternal gatekeeping. And I know we're kind of like going back and forth between these. But again, like that is something that I feel to my core that, you know, like I look back and I go, I wish I had known about that and thought harder about the impact of my actions as a new mom, which is just like ridiculous because it's, I mean, this is sort of like the kind of knowledge that I feel like only seasoned veteran moms know, right? You know, like we're, we're a little bit more grizzled than the brand new 20 something mom with like her cute little. Or a top steak, not a filet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we are left, we are a little bit like leftovers and she's like, you know, she's got her cute little outfits on and her one kid is like pulled together and she has her shit together and she's like going out and, you know, doing all the things, doing all the things. And it's like, look at my cute little like buddy that I am bringing along with me. Like that's Uh very much how I felt when I first had Hudson. And what I didn't think about like is very early on the fact that I knew I was upset about like the dynamic once Eric went back to work. I was upset with the dynamic, not 
because I felt like he created it. It was just like very like it was the circumstances. I was I was upset with the circumstances of it. And then I very quickly became the mom who was like, no, not like that. No, not like that. No, not like that. And then that sort of like turned into to like everything else where it's like now when you clean the kitchen, it's like not like that, you know? Yeah. And like there's this meme where it's like I would – my toxic trait is that I get angry when people don't help me clean, but then when they help me clean, it's not the way that I would clean. <laughs> and Absolutely. that is like – and that is a critique I get often. Um, although, again, after our last little, like, conversation, I did point out that, like, when I say, can you please clean up the kitchen after dinner, it doesn't mean just loading the dishwasher. It does have to include wiping oh, off the counters because, like, we have very little counter space. So if it's dirty, then when I come in to make snacks – I, there is nowhere for me to make snacks and then I right. have to clean before I can make snacks. So like, yes. but for anyway, me, it always feels really like unintentional, but now that like mm-hmm. I've done the self-reflecting and I'm aware of it, I like catch myself doing it literally just yesterday. Jesse 100% called me out on it and I was like, fuck, damn it. Like, <laughs> oh, um, what, were, what were you doing? I was planning these like social events for our kids mm-hmm. because like this mom needed a favor because um, like her kid, she didn't sign her kid up for kids club one day or something like that. So she needed sure. help. And then another mom for a different kid um, had to take the older sister to the to an appointment. So it's just easier to leave the other kid home. So I'm scheduling all of these things. I don't work from home. My husband does. Mm. So, and it's not like he minds, like, right, right. But, but you're sort so, of signing him up for more work. But, like, I was just, like, I wasn't filling him in at all. Not yeah. because I didn't mean to. Right. It was just like I didn't fill him in because I knew all of the moving pieces. Yeah. And so, like, it was fine. And so we had, like, we had friends over on Monday after school. And then we had friends over on Tuesday after school, but then we also had an exciting circumstance of like a practice at the same time that the friend then inevitably had to go to. Mm. And then we had one of our children going to a play day after school today. And then we have another child coming to our house due to a childcare situation. And yesterday when Jesse was like, we're like running through our week and I was saying, well, um, Fiona's going over to Amelia's after school tomorrow. And then Amaya's coming Friday um, because they, it's a childcare issue. And he was like, and when were you going to tell me about all these kids in our house when I'm going to be right, right. Meanwhile, just, Jesse's like, one, two, three, four. Yeah. More than four. You don't belong like, here. Yeah. Because he doesn't care that the kids are there. Like, yeah. really, it really just actually helps him because it keeps our kids out of his hair while yeah. he's trying to work. But it's like this really like unintentional way of mm-hmm. like removing him from the situation. Yeah. So then like, well, he doesn't need to know everybody's friends because Angela's going to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he totally called me out last night and I was like, crap. <laughs> yeah, I feel like mine is a lot um, – it is a lot more related to – I prefer things done a certain, a certain way. way 
And, and again, going back to the idea that like, I'm the one being judged. I have been like, I have always sort of subconsciously, even though it is like shitty to admit, like believe that like my way is the better way because I do know, you know, I'm like, I have literally been with these kids like nonstop. So like, why would you not just defer to me for like everything? And then I get, you know, and in like my most bitter moments, and again, none of this is stuff that I am proud of. And I am like, it has taken, you know, it's been conversations. Yes. yes. It has been many, many conversations. This is like self-awareness that, you know, comes from having been together for 12 years and, you know, having mm-hmm. a kid who's our oldest is nine. Um, you know, so then even in like my most bitter or resentful moments, I'm like, well, if you're just going to sit around and like scroll through your phone, then like, who are you to come in here and act like you've solved the world's problems when like you leave me to deal with this every single day by myself, you know, like, Right. Very, very, you know, that's usually about like the breaking point. And, you yeah. know, like, you know, like an argument is coming when, yeah. you know, yeah. mentally you're in that headspace because you're like, well, now I just know that I'm going to like be a dick about this and right. pick a fight. And yeah, it's so I think for me, it is that is a lot of times where like my gatekeeping tendencies come in. And it's usually when I'm like starting to feel like neglected or unappreciated or, you know, just like taken for granted. And then, you know, it just, I'm not like consciously keeping score, but you can bet that like my subconscious is like, and there's another time. And remember (laughs) that one time when, and I'm like, oh my God, you're right. right. You know? And so then, you know, it's, it's really, it is two sides of a coin, right? Like, and so then that sort of creates this question of the chicken or the egg, <laughs> the chicken or the egg. Like, do we create the dad privilege right. through our maternal gatekeeping? Do or do we, does the, maternal, the maternal are we gate- maternal gatekeeping because you are using your dad, dad privilege, privilege card? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think there's no right answer. I think it's just like a self-serving cycle Mm -hmm. that like you, like both parties involved have to consciously make an effort to break down. Yeah. 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 Oh man, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. This is. And it's interesting that our our differences in maternal gatekeeping are different. Because mm-hmm. when I think of dad privilege, like, I do think of, like, a very overarching, like, this fits most dads yeah. from a privilege standpoint. But I do feel like there's a little bit – there's a it's more complicated, maternal gatekeeping. I don't know if I'm articulating it how I want to. But um, – yeah, because the I think because the dad privilege is learned. We don't have show sponsors, but we do have an amazing group of people supporting us on this podcasting journey. Some we've known forever and some are new friends to us. One of my favorite things about being married to my husband is actually all of his amazing cousins. 
Jen Samzow is one of them, and she is one of the smartest women I have ever met. She's an adjunct professor of healthcare ethics at Concordia University, Irvine, and a freelance writer for publications like Psychology Today and The Washington Post, writing about health, well-being, and, you guessed it, motherhood. She has a newsletter on Substack that you can subscribe to via the link in the show notes called A Well-Lived Life. Check it out. You won't regret signing up. If you own your own business, you want to know about GeForce PR and the powerhouse force behind it, Barbara. Knowing and clearly communicating who you are, what you stand for, and the value you bring will set you apart from others and help you connect with the audience you're truly meant to work with. Female-founded GeForce PR specializes in helping female leaders like you know, show, and grow their worth by developing a customized personal brand framework and a creative, unique PR strategy that aligns with your goals and audience. You already have so much on your plate. Lean on a trusted guide to help you own and share your story. Learn more at www.geforcepr.com. And of course, I can't not mention my friend, former guest, and mindset coach, Melissa Bloom. If you're looking to reframe your thoughts and see the world through a new lens, Melissa is the perfect guide for your journey. It is not an understatement to say she does life-changing work. She's done it alongside me for the past year, and it's been one of the best investments I've made. Find her at melissabloom.life and all things Path to Joy. And now, back to the show. It's that learned behavior, whereas maternal gatekeeping, gatekeeping, I feel like, is programmed into you from early on. Like it, it, I mean, I guess you could, well, I don't know. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to argue my way out of this because I was just going to say like, as a young girl, you watch your mom, you learn like, because she's modeling the behavior, but so is the dad. Right. Yeah, you're right. It is. I don't know. There, I don't there, have a good I'm, answer I'm, for it. It has. I think until you both make a resolution to knock yeah. it off or do the best you can at knocking it off, like it's just going to keep feeding itself. Yeah, it's it is that level of like self awareness that yeah. you both have to bring to the table, and it's and I think that's why it's hard because that is. I mean, oh. it takes it's a level of emotional intelligence. It that, really is. Like, and it is a is. it is a hard hard pill to swallow to mm-hmm. be like especially I think because we feel so like harshly judged from yeah. outsiders looking in for me to be like, okay, well I guess I'm going to give up control of this and I'm going to let you right. do it your way even though I can see a bunch of ways it could go better. Um, right. You know, like because but we even more, because we have more at stake. Yes, and because even then, like, even you know, even the way like that I teed that up, it's like another layer of self awareness to not be like because I can see a better way. You just go like, yeah, you've got this, and then you just like have to yeah. put your blinders on and be like, I really am making a conscious effort here uh-huh. to like. I, like I'm not going to judge – I almost have to not pay attention because right. like if I look at – I'm going to micromanage. If I watch this process from the outside, it's going to be like coming to a performance review when you get to bed that night. You know, like 
KPIs for this year. Yes. Okay. So here were our main goals. And remember, these were our benchmarks we were aiming for. And here's how you, I mean, that who wants to be in a real, like you can quickly see how relationships like unravel at this. And because who wants to be micromanaged or judged one way or the, you know, like on both sides of the coin, nobody wants to feel that way, but I think it's especially easy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So like, (laughs) you know, and I think, I think it's easy as mothers to be like, I'm, I've got a list of, I've got this long list of critiques here and I would like you to just sit down and take it, you know, whereas like, I don't know that the feeling is mutual. I'm sure he has a long list, but I am, I'm sure he's like, whatever. (laughs) She's a great wife. (laughs) Yeah. Because we have more at stake. Like at the end of the day, that is why. Yeah. It's not that they, I don't know. they, They just don't have as much at stake in this whole parenting gig because of the way that society views mothers. Right. Which, I mean, it's really unfortunate. Uh, it is. It's awful. Not, not because it it sucks for moms. It absolutely does. But again, like that level of maternal gatekeeping and like we've talked about in general, men have a stake in helping lighten the mental load because it leads to richer relationships with their wives, richer relationships with their children. Um And just like an overall more fulfilling experience and more connectedness for them. I mean, there's so much for them to gain from this. Yes. But like it sucks that to some extent like we kind of continue that cycle and we feed it and we through that gatekeeping teach them to disconnect and disengage. You know, like – so again, I, it is kind of the chicken and the egg because we have so much at stake. We start to behave this way and then they learn to disengage and disconnect. And then we're, we're upset about the mental load and it just goes in this awful and, cycle. Yeah. But, and then it's a merry-go-round we all went off of. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I would like to exit this ride immediately. Yes, immediately. <laughs> I am not tall enough to ride it. Please let me <laughs> off. <laughs> So this all this whole conversation kind of begs the question, like, how do we change this, right? And I'm going to say, like, some of these were things that, you know, you I Googled, like, how do you change this dynamic? Mm-hmm. And some of it I feel like is just, again, things that, like, having been in the trenches for a little while, it's it's stuff that I wish, like, somebody would have told me when I yeah. was a new mom to be, like, just fucking let that shit go. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get over this. Um, one of them, one of the suggestions was that I found was aim for peace and not perfection. And I think I love that. I do. Yes. I do love that idea. And I, again, things that I'm like, I was a little bit like too high strung early on in motherhood to probably let that sink in and be able, you know, but it's, I think about it. um, I I kind of chuckled because I was like, again, like our personalities. So, you know, we, we bought our house. It was built in the seventies and we knew when we moved in that we would 
every area of this house was going to have to get touched. It was straight out of the 70s and had not been updated since then. And that's the only reason we could afford to move into this house. <laughs> <laughs> Our friends would pull up and they'd be like, damn. And we were like, no, no. Wait no, until no. you see the inside. Yeah. yeah. You've you never seen so much shag carpet and so much wallpaper in your life. Yeah. Um, and so I remember distinctly, you know, like before we had kids, one of our favorite things to do was to like go to random open houses and just sort of like collectively dream about what our someday home would be. And then we bought this house and we were like, oh my God, our dreams are going to come true. <laughs> Why we thought that like. Silly, silly you. Silly you. <laughs> Homeownership is a trap. It is a trap. Um, but. And I remember like we go through like the ideation phase so well together and we get so excited and there's so much possibility and then it comes time to execute and that's where like the train goes off the tracks. And after like a few years of this, you know, several projects deep in this house, we're painting our hallway and one day it just occurred to me, I was like, what if you just like let him take the lead? Just go for peace. And even if you think there's a better way, just fucking do what he says. Yeah. Just don't even start the argument. Don't even don't, don't even yeah. throw out. And you know what? It got done real fast and there wasn't a single argument. And at the end, he's like, oh my gosh, this was so much fun. And in my head, I was like, yes, because I really just – and I told him. I was like, of course, yes, yeah. because did you realize – like do you realize that like – like I consciously removed myself, from removed this. myself from the management process. And he's like, Oh, and so, you know, like now we try to kind of take turns, but this piece, not perfection, I think is a good, it's a great yeah. bar to aim for. Yeah. So part of my job previously with the same organization was I used to teach classes and mm-hmm. one of the classes was how to support your breast milk supply when returning to work. And I did a whole section on like how to make your life easier. And one of them is like, let that shit go. Like if it truly, if it truly doesn't matter, like just let that shit go. And so the example I always gave was when Jess and I first got married, we folded towels differently. And I have a very strong opinion on how to fold a towel. Is it into thirds? It is into thirds. Half, half, third, third. Yes. Right? Yes. 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 Because because otherwise you're just like all the loose linen. ends are tucked in. It's thin enough to fit into those yes. tiny ass linen yes. closets. You can you get can stack three. them this. Yeah. Yep. It is exactly. the correct way. It is, it is the, the correct way. way. Thank you, Manager Caitlin. Uh, but you're anyway, welcome. so like it would just it would like irritate me mm-hmm. when Jesse would fold the towels bifold in the fourths. Or into like half and half and then half and then half and then and where are you going? (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) And so then like I got to a point where like why am I like it was like this point of like self-reflection of like Mm -hmm. why am I angry? Mm -hmm. What am I like what am I truly upset about? Like I'm upset because the towels don't fit as well as mm-hmm. they fit when I fold them, but they all are in the closet folded. So like, like just letting that shit go. And so part of that class was always like, like 
like literally do some self-reflection and figure out like your expectations of yourself and for the support people around you. Yeah. Because there's a lot of shit that doesn't matter. Yes. I, we Hudson, one of his jobs is folding the towels and I have shown him many, many times the right (laughs) way to do it. (laughs) And it does not get done that way. And then inevitably they don't really fit great. And so then like, really it just becomes, and part of it is he's not quite tall enough to like, you know, get like a big stack. He's so anyway, then like I open the linen closet and they're like stuffed in like between sheets and things because he's like, well, they don't all fit on the shelf. And, but anyway, yes, but moral of the story was like, I could correct you on this yeah, or I could just let it go. Yeah. I'm just going to be happy. Because it actually doesn't matter if a sheet is next to a towel. It doesn't. Like what purpose? I I mean, if if I can argue a valid reason, then like, let's talk about it. But there really, there is no argument. It's kind of, it kind of, this reminds me a little bit of this concept that my, my boss taught me like early on. So when I, as a marketer, like as a marketing manager, there was a point where I was like the highest ranking marketing person. And then, um, the company I worked for hired this really fantastic, um, CMO that I could, that I reported to. And it was like the first time in my career. And so he was like coaching me one day about, um, you know, and part of my job has always been to like, look at the creative work that, my team puts together and make sure like it fits brand standards and that, you know, it like doesn't look like a hot mess and all this stuff. And he gave me this piece of advice and he goes, you know, I will. And likewise, he would often look at my creative work and, you know, have to give me feedback. And he had this phrase and this, or this philosophy that I still like live by today. And basically he was like, when I give my creative critiques, I always think to myself, am I making this better or am I making it different? And if I'm just simply making your work different, then I don't, then I let it go. Like I could could tell you that I prefer the text to be like an inch over but like that does not have the same gravity as like, hey, this headline does not accomplish the goal that this piece needs to and I need you to rewrite it and it needs to include these things or whatever. So right. that piece, not perfection, kind of reminds me of that philosophy and that's Absolutely. sort of like even like on a on a team when I review things, that is always what I live by. It's like, am I just making this different or am I making it better? Right. And if I'm no, only making it different, it's not the hill for me to die on today. Nope. And nope. We, we move on. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, so this sort of – this idea sort of dovetails into when we delegate, we can set our expectations up front, but then we just need to let it be. Like we cannot micromanage. So, hey, I need you, you know – now that we're done with dinner and I'm taking Nora to dance class, I would like the kitchen to be clean when I get home or by the time I go to bed or whatever it is. That includes the counters, please. And then that's it. I'm not I'm not going to 
I'm not going to micromanage the way you wipe down the counters. I'm not yeah. going to micromanage the way that you choose to load the dishwasher, even if it means that there's like another load that we have to do after. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I'm, I'm going to set my expectations and then I'm going to walk away <laughs> because you don't want to be micromanaged. Yeah. So expectations were something uh, that I would say semi-recently, Jesse and I finally like got to from like this piece of like, we would get this like buildup of tension. And it was because neither of us were setting clear expectations mm-hmm. for each other. Yeah. Like, And so my expectation was different than his expectation of the same task. Yep. And so then one of us would be frustrated mm-hmm. because the expectation wasn't being met. And so um, in particular, like a time was really like, like mm-hmm. time was like the thing that needed to be said for us in order to be like a successful team. Because I would say something like, can you bring down the bag upstairs, like the target bag, because I have to make a return. Can you bring down the target bag? Mm-hmm. So what I mean is the next time you go upstairs. I need you to bring that down. I need you to bring that down. What he hears is that at, at some, some point, point <laughs> in my life, I need to bring down the target bag. Which it could be I mean, in five days and that's totally fine. <laughs> right. And so like, and those, neither of those expectations are wrong or right. Like they're just different. Yes. And so I learned and he learned that giving, giving each other like a define like an end game, <laughs> mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. not just a task, but like, don't forget that Mavis needs to see the vet in the next four weeks. Yeah. So then for four weeks, that is, can be completely removed from my brainscape. And I trust my partner to meet that expectation. Yeah. Yeah. I think the time frame is a really big one. It's it's funny because I remember when we were going through marriage counseling, that was like one of the things that we discussed because I am sort of like someone who once we get done with dinner, I am just much more present and collected and calm if like we can get done and we just immediately clean up. And I'm not sitting down trying to watch whatever TV show thinking about how I got to make sure that like 20 minutes before we need to get the kids ready for bed, I go in and I clean up the kitchen. Right. Whereas Eric is like the – I mean, I guess we didn't have kids going through marriage counseling. But it was the same concept. You know, I was like, I can't really enjoy my evening with you when I know that mess is waiting for me. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's like – I'm just going to get to it at some point, probably right before I go to bed. And that's right. like good enough for me. Yes. And it was the the idea of like compromising and talking about like, okay, well, here's why it's important for us, you know, mm-hmm. here's yeah, my Because then, then you end up like – when you compromise, you end up meeting – both expectations to some degree because neither of you, I mean, I guess if you wanted to say like, okay, yeah, that isn't that big of a deal. I'll go grab it right now. Right. But unless it's, it's on the table verbally for us, it like just doesn't work. There is a giant brain block. (laughs) Right. Jess and I set an expectation for one another and there's not a time frame included. Yeah. I feel like generally 
my requests are like very immediate. It's like I'm in the like I am already thinking about what I need to get to next and for you mm-hmm. to help me setting me up to get to that thing faster is yeah. very helpful. Whereas Eric is generally like, yeah, his, like his requests feel less like time sensitive. Yeah. Sometimes where it's like, hey, I need to file taxes this weekend and this is maybe like on Monday and he's like, so can you make sure you get like all your tax documents out of your portal? Right. And I'm like, oh yeah, I don't need to drop what I'm doing right now to do that. I just need to like write a note on my, stick it on my computer and say, don't forget, send, (laughs) send those. Me from a personality standpoint, like I said in a previous episode, how like I clean, like it makes literally no sense and it, defies all logic and I just pop around the house. Like that's sort of what I do as like just the human I am. We talk about the notifications. I stop what I'm doing to see why that notification exists. (laughs) And so like for me, like this like popping all over the place is a very normalized, very like natural thing. Yeah. Just being says, hey, can you get that target bag from downstairs? And I stop what I'm doing and I go grab the target bag, but then I unfairly put that expectation on him. Right. And then he's still sitting there scrolling on his phone 10 minutes later. And I'm like, the fuck, bro? Right. Like, that's not fair. Get my target bag. Like, that's not fair for me. Right, right. To place that on him because that is my natural instinct. Yeah. A hundred percent. But yeah, the time thing, the time thing is 100% a me. Like, I need it in order to be okay. <laughs> Action items. I, I don't know if you know this, but my survival really depends on that target bag arriving in the next yes. two to three minutes. Yeah. But literally there are times where I'm like, I need you to do this in the next five minutes. Yeah. Because like, I need to make sure that my expectations are very, very clear. And then he can always say, I can't accomplish that. And then we right. find something else. Right. Right. So that and was I, the other thing was of this conversation of like setting expectations was like, also it's okay to like not agree with that expectation and try to find something else. More often than not, my request gets redelegated out. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be like, hey, can you help get Willa ready for bed? And Eric will be like, Hudson, take your sister and get her ready for bed. <laughs> Which, um, you know, you can kind of debate the like, yeah. the, um, you know, whatever rightness or wrongness for lack of a better mm-hmm. phrase right. about how that goes. Um, you know, but it's funny. Then it, then you do see that play out with like our kids too. Cause like, yeah. <laughs> we'll be like, Hudson, empty the dishwasher. And Hudson will be like, Nora, could you go empty that dishwasher? And we're like, nope, nope. nope. See, the shit rolls downhill from us to you, but it right. doesn't. It, it actually does stop at right. our individuals. We don't. Um, but I think, you know, thinking about not micromanaging or like communicating our expectations, also explaining like why, you know, to be able to be like, hey, I'm in the middle of doing this, whatever it is I'm doing. And in 10 minutes, I need to leave to drop Fiona off at gymnastics. And that's right by Target. So if you could go get the Target bag for me, 
that would be because I'm going to leave. I want to leave with it in 10 minutes. Like, right. so it's not even like necessarily that you have to like do all of this backstory, but to just be like, hey, I need to leave in 10 minutes. Can you go grab the Target bag for me from upstairs so I can return it when I take Fiona? Right. And then most likely they're going to be like, yeah, that's Oh, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Like, <laughs> I, I can put my phone down for a sec and go do that. Or right. I can like I see that you're eat. making sandwiches right now yes. to eat right. on the way to gymnastics because we're inevitably always late for yes. everything. Yes. So I think so it's that just. Less late. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? There is no solution for that. Unless my Enough kids can it. learn to be on time, I am. And as somebody who grew up in a very like punctual household, I feel like it, I mean, it kills me a little bit inside. Um, and I'm sure my parents are just like, this bitch. where did we go wrong? Where did we go wrong? <laughs> it's probably mom's fault. <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably the mom. Oh, geez. She was probably late one time and now her daughter can never be on time anywhere else and oh, organized. Mom. So, you know, delegating, aim for peace, not perfection, communicate your expectations, help explain the why behind some of the requirements. And like, you know, thinking about, um, I read different books that say, you know, to divide things out by like strengths or preferences or, you know, to say maybe you divide out appointments, like you always take the dentist, I always take the doctor type of thing. Um, you know, or if you say like, hey, can you schedule um, Hudson's dentist appointment, but I need you to also schedule an orthodontist appointment and that has to be completed prior to the dentist appointment. Like you kind of have to give the context and like explain the requirements so that they're not just like, well, why – why do I have to make the orthodontist first? Right. Or when they're like, how, you know, is there something like, do you want me to do that? So when you're talking about the dentist thing and they're like, well, do you want me to do that? And you're like, no, 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 no I'll take care of it. Cause in our heads we're like, I know the backlog. I know that the orthodontist has to get scheduled because the dentist is waiting on the yes. like scans from the ortho and like, you know, they're tied to get, I don't want to like explain all of that to you. But really if I was like, Hey, no, I don't need you to, or yes, I do, but it hinges on this thing first. Mm-hmm. Then again, most likely they're going to be like, cool. Cool. I can do that. Yeah. Which dentist again? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Where's his phone number? <laughs> they don't have an online scheduling system. What do I do? <laughs> Um, so I, those were kind of the big, I feel like lessons and takeaways that as I reflected on, you know, again, advice I wish I had when I was a young mom, um, all things that had we started doing some of this stuff just from the get go, I think would have radically changed the dynamic in our relationship and kind of the way that I feel about things sometimes. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Yeah. So that I think is where we come to a, a stop. I think our challenge, our challenge, our takeaway for okay. this week is to pick 
a thing. I, and again, I love that all of these are feel very actionable. Like yes. I could – they feel actionable. They may be easier said, easier than, said than done. done. Um, but maybe you could start just by reminding yourself that there is more than one right way. doesn't mean you have to accept. <laughs> But you could start by reminding yourself and like you will progress eventually. Um, But I think that is, that is our challenge. That's the takeaway that I want us to walk away from is that there is two sides to this coin for every moment of dad privilege we feel like exists. There is an equal maternal gatekeeping moment that kind of counterbalances it. Yes. So that level of self-reflection and kind of being able to go back through some of these things and start to practice them in your relationship, I think is how you maybe help unlearn some of that learned helplessness that we feel like hangs around a little too often. I'd be curious to know where the self-reflection is from the audience. Mm. You know what I mean? Like to see if like the self, like if there's any like trend lines, like I'm getting mm. kind of data nerdy. I feel like there's gotta be like an opportunity for like a little poll or something. We're gonna have right? to think on this. So stay tuned. And I guess that means we'll have to start a social media channel. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. <laughs> but no, wouldn't it be super interesting yes. to see yeah. like, where do you feel you gatekeep the most? And where do you think dad mm-hmm. privilege is highest in your house? Like, I would love to see if mm-hmm. there are patterns. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So be on the lookout for that. By the time this episode publishes, hopefully we'll have a social media channel. I can't promise anything. <laughs> I can't either. I mean, it's it's the wild, wild west here. So yeah. um, depending Amazing. on when this episode releases, I guess you can like check the show notes and we'll link to it if we have it in the show notes. And if it's not there, you can assume we didn't have time to start it or create the poll. Yeah. Well, we are interested. So you can comment. You could comment. Can you? I don't, I don't know. know. Can you? I don't even know. I've got so many things I need to learn right now. <laughs> you can't comment on a podcast release. Well, no, but like if they're going on YouTube, right? Oh, yes. I forgot we were going to publish these on YouTube. So, yes, you could absolutely comment okay. down below. Like, Good reminder. Yeah, I don't know enough about podcasts. <laughs> as you, as you all can that be. was not the expertise I was bringing to this table. You're bringing the wit and the better articulation. I don't know about that. Well, I mean, once again, I like that last night we discussed trying to make like the beginning segment less than 20 minutes and I was able to shorten it by three. Yay! (laughs) We're making progress. Progress, Progress. not perfection. Yes. So drop a comment. Let us know (laughs) what you think. We do in fact have a way for you to comment. Um, Like, subscribe, share this episode with a friend. Those things leave a review. They truly do help independent podcasters like us find more people 
like you to listen and help share our story and bring this conversation to the forefront because it is an important one to be having. So like, subscribe, leave a review, and we sincerely appreciate it. And we'll see you all in a couple of weeks. All right. Bye. Bye.